Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Congrats to everybody who made the playoffs. I think everybody knows by now or should know by now whether they've made it in their leagues. Um, hopefully Sunday morning, it, it was like waking up at Christmas and you saw all the playoff spots under the tree for you. Colin, how, how did you do this year in terms of getting getting to the uh, to, to the real game? You know, as, as Will Ferrell says, and what's that movie? The the election? Or, yeah, says, well, uh, the campaign, the, the campaign, the campaign. Yeah, there's another word in there, but he says, welcome to the show. Uh, I made the playoffs in five of my leagues this year. Um, I have the one seed in two of them, the two seed in another two uh, squeaked in in another one. Um, did not get into the program despite being the, the fourth highest scoring team in my conference in the regular season, which, uh, that one, that one hurt a little bit. I got, I got dump trucked by Ollie Gordon the week before, and then that team ended up squeaking in. Um, but it is what it is. Um, looking, looking good on a couple of these, uh, these this week. So that's yeah, all that matters. That all that matters. Do you, have you calculated yeah. out which ones you have to win to like make all your money back for the year you're you just strike me as a, a generous guy who's just out here donating, Colin. Is that is that on a year to year basis? Pretty much. Basically? Yeah. 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 I don't I don't really keep track of it. You know, I just like to put some money in it's and, and it, it's for fun. It's at the yeah, it's this is my fun for the year. So is your wife in the room? Okay. No. She's not, no. <laughs> okay. Cause that sounds like what I tell my wife until what okay I, last year um one of our good friends got married down in the outer banks actually and like everyone stayed they rented out like these giant houses for everybody and we all stayed in them like all the college friends and just drank seven straight days it was great the one <laughs> night everyone's sitting there was like a home theater in this place everyone's sitting in the home theater like 50 people we're watching a football game and kelsey just walks in and goes austin how much do you spend on fantasy football per year <laughs> i was like uh why everyone obviously <laughs> turns and looks at me i was like i i don't know i was like i, I have a spreadsheet somewhere i can pull it out later if you want she, she was like oh the girls were asking i was like well, you can tell those girls to shut up so um we did have to have the talk at that moment um but uh other than that i, I try to avoid that one that that's a it, it, your your wife has never asked you that she has. I'm like, okay. uh, I'm not exactly sure. I'm like, I'm in 13 leagues. Um, so I don't know. I was like, I, but I, I do usually end up like breaking even or, or getting close to, you know, I, I kind of hover around there. So it, it doesn't usually end up being a problem. But we do have a 800 gamblers calling. If you need <laughs> we do. Uh, we did just join our, our bank accounts. Not that not that long ago. Oh. You know, now that we're married. So no. Um, <laughs> did you have to get rid of yours? I did get rid of mine. Oh no, no, Colin, <laughs> no. We kept our set. Like we have a joint that like both of them mm -hmm. can get into. So she doesn't shouldn't have to see any of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm not I'm not too worried about it because she likes to go on some Target spending sprees or you know buy some things here. So like, I don't really buy much for myself. This is this is my this is my treat to Colin. That and that robe so, you're wearing right now. Yes. Well, this robe I've I've had this robe. This is predates my wife. So. Well, know. 
Colin, we're going to talk to when we talk about it when we get to the end of the show here. But what, what was it? A home field bet that we had on this year's uh, start rivalry. Stuff? Oh, the the start stuff. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think that's what okay. We ended up with. I can't remember if it. No, you bet the robe yeah. on uh, with Blake Corum on Blake Corum going, going, day, going two. day two. Not with me, by the way. That was no, not. No, that was not. That my was bet. Matt. That was Matt. Yeah, yeah. Matt Brewer. Yeah. Um, which so, I don't, I don't feel terrible about that, honestly, with the way that the other running backs have looked. Potentially, potentially. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't feel bad about it. You get desperate enough, you know. <laughs> you Somebody out there needs a yeah, short I mean, king, you know. Yeah, you know, eventually, you just you gotta do what you gotta do out there, Colin. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk. We actually did not tab up last week's. I have a sneaky suspicion, though, that you're too far ahead for me to catch <laughs> my current rate. Um, I, I don't know. I think I did really bad last week. Um, I, like everybody likes to remind me of my of my bad calls and my misses. And PJ was very quick to call out the Seth Hennigan one, which was did not. What? Go How does well. he remember that? I don't know. I had to look it up. I, I did, did throw you under the bus really quickly, but mm-hmm. I had to look it up to do it. So yeah, yeah, but. I did get Dylan Johnson, so you know, we we win some, you lose some. But I, I don't think la- I think I lost more last week than I won by a decent amount. Has USC finally hit that level that we used to talk about two or three years ago with that Missouri rush defense, where it's like we just can't. Like J.D. Not played one half and he got ten carries and he went for like hundred eighty yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Dylan Johnson, what did he end yeah. up going? What was his final stat line? Do you do you know off the top of your head? Uh, Two fifty six and four. I knew with like. Five minutes left, gone in the third quarter. He he was at 150 and three already. I just think yeah. yeah. So man, yeah, uh, 256 and four. Well, speaking of that, Alex Grinch got fired today. So we're recording this Sunday. Usually we do Monday. So you know we just we just gave that one away with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alex Grinch got fired, which uh, I think is long overdue. If you talk to anybody who kind of follows uh, college football at all, yeah. um, but I do think. We didn't have this on the show sheet, Colin, but I do think this could be maybe not this year, but could be a bit of a, a, a bad thing for USC offensively for us for fantasy purposes, because as we saw, for instance, in this game, in this week's game, and actually in the, in the prior week's game, um, USC they let the other team score so quickly that like they get they get so many possessions, so many chances to score, so much volume. Like it, it that that is probably a part of Caleb Williams's numbers at this point is the fact that they they have to do that every week. So that could yeah. be a bit of a, a letdown for whoever steps in there next. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, we'll have to see who they bring in because Alex Grinch has been with Lincoln Riley for for a while, um, dating all the way back to, to Oklahoma. So it'll be I'll be interested to see who they who they bring in. But that's got to be a place that it's a big draw they could get like a, a fairly big name. They should be able to get a ton of defensive recruits and talent there. They, they've brought in some guys and stuff, you know, some, some higher end recruits. Um, Damani Jackson, I think was pretty highly rated. Corey Foreman, I remember a couple of years ago was pretty highly rated. So they get recruits. It seems like a, a spot where you should be able to have some success as a defensive coordinator. You would think, you would think. And I think they had a, uh, they've yeah they've had some some big time visits lately too so yeah. um you know maybe maybe this is an effort to keep some of those kids um there or in the fold not that you know that defense was really doing anything for them now anyway yeah um but 
I digress. All right. So we're actually, you know, at the time of the year, it's week 10. In a lot of leagues, you either are done trade, like you're not allowed to trade anymore or probably by like Tuesday. So we're not really going to toss out, you know, kind of the typical in season, go buy this guy. For a lot of your leagues, you probably don't have your waiver claims anymore. So you're probably not going to add any guys on the waiver wire. Um, if you are, listen to Jared's Chasing the Natty that comes out early, you know, the day before the show comes out. Um, it, it always has a ton of, of options there for you. Um, what we're actually going to do tonight is we're going to try to predict the players that are going to end up in the top three rounds of 2024 startup drafts for C2C. And this isn't a mock draft. Like we're just kind of going to walk through the different positions and we're going to, we're going to assume a lot of guys go, we'll, we'll talk about it. If there, if there's a name that pops up that, that we think, as we talked about last week, guys that we think will probably stay. Um, but we're just gonna, we're gonna, you know, chat, chat about that and see how many we can get right as April, May, uh, and June roll around. Cause I think it is always a worthwhile exercise uh, to do that. So let's hop right in here, Colin. Um, I'm just going to ask you straight up, like the first question, who's the 101 in drafts, assuming, you know, Caleb Williams is gone. Drake May is gone. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone. Those were kind of like the tier, the top three guys, no matter what draft in some sort of order last year. So who who is that guy now that they're all gone? Yeah, this is, this is going to be a really interesting debate, I think, all offseason, because there's not a clear-cut name you know before we had um you know some some quarterbacks that were like very clearly like should have been considered there even you know dju did not work out but there were a lot of people that had him as the 101 that year or if he wasn't the 101 um you know bryce young was right there too um we had cj stroud who you know, you could have argued what could have been in contention up there. Caleb Williams this past year, um, you know, so we've had a, a lot of quarterbacks that we felt these guys should probably be the one-on-ones. I, there's not really a guy like that this year for me. Um, my highest rated quarterback that will be returning again, assuming Caleb Williams and Drake may go will be Malachi Nelson. And I would not advocate taking him at the one-on-one. Um, that was just, there's just too much unknown there and there's just too much risk so and there's not really like a great running back not really a great wide receiver i i'm probably looking at cj baxter or evan stewart luther burden those would probably be the three that i would be thinking about most there and i don't feel that great about that to be honest you couldn't pay me to take a quarterback at the 101. And I am pretty staunchly most years anti really taking quarterbacks early at all. Maybe if you have the 101 and, and there's a guy like Caleb sitting there, yeah. um, you know, that 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 kind of um is the exception. And I, I did think this year he would be the one on one if I had it. Yeah, I, I'm just looking out at the landscape. It's brutal out here. I don't think you could take uh, like Nicholas Singleton, I think would be like the answer. If you asked, you just did a poll on Twitter. Yeah. Maybe we should have done that, but we kind of decided about two hours before the show that that was definitely going to be. <laughs> the topic. So um, I, we don't have that data to back it up. 
I think that's who most people would would answer. Here, here's who I think I would pick if I had the 101 in a draft, and I had, and I was drafting in like March, which I don't usually like to do because yeah. I think, I think unless it's a league that has a lot of waiver options, because I think if you're drafting that early, any edge that you potentially have in just like kind of being more familiar with college football than your teammates gets completely washed out by the fact that like, we don't know who three quarters of the CFF guys are going to be for next season yet. Just yeah. straight up. So um, I think it would be Quinchon Judkins. I think Judkins is the guy that I would take. Okay. One if I couldn't trade out of it. And here's why I think he is the guy that I look at today. And I say, I know what Quinchon Judkins is. Is he a I don't I don't think he has a shot in hell at being a first round pick in the NFL at running back, like some guys we've had uh, in the past few years. But I feel pretty confident saying that as long as he doesn't get injured next year, he's probably a, a, a round two selection. He can catch. He's physical between the tackles. Does he have like, you know, uh, offense carrying upside in the NFL? He, no, I don't think so. But I do think that he's going to offer you a pretty good year next year. I, I, I'm pretty sure Jackson Dart will be back. They'll hit the portal for some more wide receivers, and that offense will be clicking again. So I think we know what he's going to be next year. I think we know what he's going to be when it gets to the NFL. It's not a ceiling play. This is the rare year, especially if you're asking me today, where I think I'm using the 101 as a floor play. And that's why it's so gross because I don't feel very good like you shouldn't, the one-on-one <laughs> should never be a floor play. Yeah. Like it, there, it can be a floor and a ceiling, but it should never just be like, yeah, I know that that guy's going to be, you know, he's going to rush for a thousand yards a handful of times as long as he doesn't get injured in the NFL. Like that's basically what I'm projecting for him. But if I look at the rest of these guys, I, I don't think you could convince, like e- even with, you know, Luther Burden, who I like, Evan Stewart, who I like, I think those are the only other two candidates that I would consider that pick. Those are my top two receivers that'll be returned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those would be my top two receivers returning as well. Um, I have Carnell Tate up there as well. Uh, rounding out the top five, I have Carnell Tate as my fifth wide receiver, maybe third guy returning, but again, still couldn't really convince me to take him that highly. Um, I have, I still have Singleton ahead of CJ Baxter in, c2c and then i have quinchon judkins third but i'm getting less and less confident with that uh as as the weeks kind of roll on here i mean we just saw katron allen looked good running the ball against uh maryland and singleton could not get it going singleton looks like he's overthinking things out there he is trying to be overly patient i think and he's just needs to remember what got him what 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 was successful for him last year and that was using his size using his explosiveness getting the ball getting upfield as quickly as he can well and i well the thing sorry to cut the thing about singleton is we didn't even think he was like a good running back coming into college right like i think part of the part that we liked about him was the base assumption that he was going to figure it out yeah has he yeah Uh, you know that i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like he has up to this point um so I, like you're talking about, you know, shouldn't be really be a floor play. Um, I think my argument for CJ Baxter is floor 
and some ceiling there too. And this is also operating under the assumption that Jonathan Brooks leads for the NFL. I, yeah. I feel pretty good that he's going to with the performance that he's performances he's been having, capitalize on that, head to the NFL in a week running back class. Um, and he's probably looking at some day two draft capital too. Um, depending on how he tests, I think he'll test decent enough that he'll he'll be up there. So here's where a bit of the game theory on these picks comes into play. And we do talk about it a little bit in terms of just maintaining value. I do think taking a second year player, if there's no clear and obvious choice, tends to be the better option as long as year one was like, if year one was nothing and year two is all projection, it's risky. I I don't think I could do that early, but if they had some production year one, we thought really highly of them coming in. There were enough flashes for it to be like, yep, that dude's there. You know, let's see what year two brings us. If that's the case, I would rather have that guy than the year three guy who hasn't figured it out yet. Because like we saw with a guy like Donovan Edwards this year, who we talked a little bit about last week, last week about guys that we think have to return to school. If they don't do it at all year three, now you're saying, okay, this guy didn't, you know, whatever, learn to run between the tackles and Donovan Edwards instance we've gone three years now when he hasn't figured it out and now that's a really hard asset to sell whereas if cj baxter let's say he jonathan brooks leaves he gets the job he's the starter he runs he hits his a thousand yards sark running backs pretty much always do but he isn't like amazing i think you could still sell him off for about what you paid for him to somebody else who's saying well like let's say that he struggles catching the ball this year They'll say, oh, well, he'll just like he'll work on his catching over the offseason. He'll figure that out and he'll be good to go. But then if you go through year three and he only has eight catches in year three, now you're like, well, shit. Now, like, I've got a two down back who I've got to try to do something with. So I do think there is a case to be made that if you want to use that pick on a, especially on a running back, that you take a guy like Baxter. Um, If you're looking at receiver, you know, you go buy Zachariah Branch, although I think highly enough of those wide receivers in front of him to, to not do that. But I do think there is sometimes a case to do that. And even when we're not talking about the one-on-one here, as we continue to work through, I think that'll be something that we touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely something to think about on all these picks for sure. So I do think, I think that's a valid point with Baxter. I, Baxter didn't look good on Saturday. So that's what yeah, that he had that 54 was. yard run, man. Did, did you watch that? <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I actually, I, so it was a great Saturday. I watched just two ga- two or three games at every single time slot throughout the day. It was awesome. I didn't have anything else to do. And I watched the whole Texas game. They did the tush push essentially, but they uh, direct snapped it back and like optioned it to them. Oh, uh, okay. And so literally, wide. all you had to do—they had two defenders on the on the outside and one like one wide receiver blocking. All he had to do was make the guy miss, and he there, it was cover zero. I mean, everyone's at the line of scrimmage. He was just freaking <laughs> gone. So that's that's how he got all the yardage on the day. Other than okay. that, he really didn't look very good. I, I was actually kind of disappointed. So, um, but that 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 being the most recent performance has just got me all sorts <laughs> of like shook right now about Cedric Baxter. Uh, that's funny. I did not see that. I just, uh, I did not see that game. I only watched one game in the 12 o'clock window. And then I watched uh, all of the Penn State game. Of course. And yeah, of course. Of course. Hey, Drew, he looked better. I, tr- I turned game. off the pick game after a quarter. So, well, that's fair. Um, hey, what other game did I watch? 17 this week. Bite me. <laughs> to Florida sure, State. Winning at the half, I think, or tied seven. Yeah. 
Um, I don't remember the other game I watched in the three o'clock window. And then I watched the um, Washington um, USC and LSU Bama. So I got some good football in this weekend. Those were great games. And then I spite watched the first half of Colorado, which was a good. Time. I did. Too. I, well, I didn't spite watch it. I just watched it until I fell asleep. I absolutely spite watched it um, for my guy, Sean Lewis. Um, all right. So, so your one Oh one pick is who Colin? just to answer like this question, we're not going to do this. Like who's your one Oh two. That's a good place to always start with this is who yeah. you think is the first player off the board. Yeah. I, I think it would have to be CJ Baxter for me because kind of like you said, you get the second year guy. It's it, he should have mostly safe value there. I don't see very many scenarios right now where he is not the lead back in a Sark offense next year. And that's going to be a pretty solid lock for CFF production at worst. And as a former five-star high-end recruit, um, you, the floor should still be there. And I think there's enough of a ceiling there that that's probably like, – I could see a path where he's like a day two running back and, and is like a good NFL running back as well. That's kind of where I'm at with him right now. So floor and ceiling combo, I, I would think I would go Baxter. I think I'm going to go Judkins as my pick. And if I didn't go Judkins, it would probably be Evan Stewart. Those are probably be my top two choices. Uh, I just think Stewart, Stewart uh, has, a, I believe, an ankle injury that he's playing through. He mm-hmm. actually didn't play this week. That was kind of like a last minute. They rolled him out. Um, but I think Wegman will be back. He'll be back. What happens with Jimbo? I don't know. Does that mean Bobby Petrino's gone? I don't know. But I think Petrino's actually been calling some pretty decent games for them this year overall, um, in terms of you know play calling, throwing the ball downfield, you know, kind of being a little less uh, run run pass kind of team that they have in the past couple of years. So I, I think those two would be my 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 top two options. Um, for uh, yeah, I don't think. Not to do the cliche, like, and it's not really even close. But I think Burden would be the only other guy that I would consider there uh, as, like, even really would cross my mind. All right, let's um, let's talk just first-round players now. Let's start at quarterback. Um, and we are assuming, you know, 12 teams in this. Let's assume just kind of, like, base, um, you know. Base setup, settings, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, not, nothing crazy out here. Um, Tight end premium. Uh, sure. I mean, it, it, Brock Bowers leaves. Is there a tight end that we're going to talk about today at all? Uh, no. Oscar Delp's the only. It would be my top rated you, guy. You would I, take, I was going to say no, you no, would no, take no, Oscar no. Delp in the first three rounds. No, 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 no. I'm okay. saying he's my top rated guy. I feel pretty comfortable about him being my top rated tight end, and I would not take him that high. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think even if you said tight end premium in the first three rounds of a C2C. Are pretty much what all Debbie. It's it's yeah. basically a straight Debbie draft anyway. You can break some ties essentially, maybe with some some CFF production. Um, I actually do think it changes how I view quarterback a little bit, but we don't have to necessarily always talk about that. Um, okay, so let's just talk first round. You know, 12, 12 players in here. Let's see if we can narrow it down uh, to a, a group that we think are, are um, realistic options and, and guys that we would be happy walking out of the first round with. It doesn't have to be. Let's say it doesn't have to be twelve players. If we only got six for first round guys, we only got six first round guys. I think that's a fair way to look at this. Names that tomorrow you you would just stick into a first round and be really happy about. Who are they right now, Colin? Uh, well, we already talked Baxter, Judkins, Evan Stewart, Luther Burden. 
I would put those four in there. Yep. Um, Carnell Tate, I would feel pretty good with him probably a little bit later in the round if I could help it, but given kind of the dearth of, of locked in guys, um, that's kind of hard to, to say, I, I would want this guy in the late first, like uh, there's just, yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. too early necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Like, once like March, April start hitting, that's when you can start kind of saying yeah. like, um, you know, like, oh, like, you know, like Mecca Buka was going too late the one yeah. year and like, you can kind of start looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would put Carnell Tate in there. Um, Singleton? Did we? Did sing, you see? Did I did you not Singleton see Singleton. I would still probably put Singleton in the back half of the first. Again, I, I agree. I think he has to be in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think he has to be. Um, I'm still looking at wide receivers. Branch and Cook. I, I don't think, think I feel pretty good about that. I don't think today I would be super happy with Jonte Cook as a first round pick in a startup draft. I think he feels really more like a second round guy to me. And he's been my guy. And I'm not like mm-hmm. out on him or any, or like really haven't dropped him at all. I just wouldn't feel great walking out of the first round with Jonte Cook. Like that would be it just I, that would not make me feel warm and fuzzy at all. Um I, I that that would I don't know that I, that it's a direction I would want to go. Second round, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Okay, fair enough. I I wouldn't feel warm and fuzzy about him either. So if we're just going warm and fuzzies here, then yeah, that's then what I, I'm talking about. Yeah. Him off. yeah. Like who, who would you feel okay about leaving that round with? Not just like who's like, I don't think yeah. I would feel good about leaving that round with Carnell Tate either. And I really like Carnell Tate, but today um, I would not feel that great about leaving the first round with him. I, I would, I think we've seen enough from him and that Ohio state room is going to open up. Like we know somebody in that Ohio state room, is going to be a thousand yard receiver in college for probably like two years and then go off to the NFL and probably be a first rounder. And I feel the best about Carnell Tate on that right now. So I would still feel good with Carnell Tate in the first. Okay. I, I, I don't think I would feel great about Carnell Tate in the first. You would feel good about branch. So here we, we've been talking basically since what July, June, the, it's the mm-hmm. top three is branch Tate and cook in some sort of order, whatever order you want to put them in. I think if we're talking about freshman receivers, they're still very clearly the top three. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody else has really done yeah. anything to get close to that group, but I would not. I, I think the only one of them that I would feel okay about having in the first round if I was doing a draft is Zachariah branch. I don't, uh, and I, uh, the interesting thing is like, I think there are quarterback questions for all three mm-hmm. potentially, you know, we talked last week, does Quinn Ewers come back for the, for the purposes of this, I think let's, let's say that Quinn Ewers does come back for, yeah. for the purposes mm-hmm. of what we're talking about here today. Jonte will have Quinn Ewers. They probably lose, um, uh, and I Mitchell, they probably mm-hmm. lose, uh, um, worthy. worthy. They probably lose Sanders. I think Whittington has a year of eligibility left. We'll see what happens there. Like, oh, man. That's really? Not really like, I think so. I think so. He, I feel like he's been around for forever. He has been, man. But, like, everybody's been around for forever now. You're either good enough true. to leave after three or four years or you're there until it's, it's you're six or seven. And you're there until you kick him out. Crap, they kick so. You out. So, I mean, I think they'll hit the portal as well looking for a receiver. Yeah. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what's available out there. Yeah. Like, do some of these smaller school guys, like, would Tet leave Arizona? He's mm. from, like, California or from Arizona. He went to high school yeah. in Pasita, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So like he's a local guy. I don't know that, and they're feet, they're featuring their shit out of him. I don't think he's gonna leave for, for you know, more targets. That, that's yeah. not really gonna happen. Um, you start looking through some of these other guys, like who would transfer, who would leave their school and transfer in there. I I I really don't have a ton of really good options. No, I don't think so. Like even looking through my top fifty wide receivers, I don't see any obvious. I'm down to 75. I don't, I don't see a lot of obvious guys. Um, so I, I think that's going to be interesting uh, to watch for if, if they do bring in another guy there. Um, but I think that situation is a little unsettled. I don't know. Like, is Calvin Cord can't go to the NFL, right? I don't think. I don't think he can. I don't think he's done enough. So we've got Kyle McCord, who really has been pretty up and down this year. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just I feel really icky about taking any of those guys in the first round right now, except for maybe Branch, just because I think at worst, whatever team he's on can just give him a bunch of manufactured touch crap, and he's going to work with it. And that's not really the kind of players that Cook and Tate are. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I think the only quarterback I would feel warm and fuzzy about would be Malachi Nelson. Um, even him, there's still like that ounce of doubt. There is. I haven't watched him play at all. There is that not watching him play is definitely a little bit of a concern, but, uh, it does sound like Caleb Williams is going to be shutting it down. Uh, there's some, some rumors about that out there. Wait, are there? Yeah. There's some rumors about that, about Caleb Williams shutting it down for the rest of the year here. Um, I, and that's why he was so upset on the sidelines. I mean, I saw that, but I, I didn't realize that he was going to be shutting it down. That, yeah. That's not great for a couple of my rosters. Although he's not yeah. going to be around in week 13 anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. Like I said, they're just rumors right now. I don't think it's anything real. Like nothing reported from any major place. Who's reporting it? Ball sack sports? Yeah, pretty much. No, I'm just kidding. That crack rock guy. Uh, <laughs> who's the, all those like guys that are like breaking news and they've been right one time out of the 80 times they did it. Is that is that who's reporting it? Who's yeah. CJ Golson? Isn't that the one guy? <laughs> yeah. Dove um, so, so maybe we'll maybe we'll see maybe we'll see Nelson at some point, or we'll at least see enough of Miller Moss to be like, yeah, I don't think he's the guy. Um, but I yeah, I, I don't know. I I would put Malachi Nelson in that group. I There's not a single quarterback in college football that I would take in round one. And that includes Malachi. That includes Dante Moore, Nico, Arch Manning, Jackson Arnold, whoever else. You, Connor Wegman, Drew Lahr. I would not take any of those guys in round one. Would you take any of them in round one? I know we're... I kind of shifted that quickly from talking about the quarterback situation yeah. for those receivers to just well, quarterbacks. But would I take? I uh, see. I haven't. I haven't mapped out exactly how many guys that we've talked about so far. Uh, but if I'm at like the one twelve and I have to take somebody, well, that that that's not what we're talking about here, though, Colin. No. It's a player like you're just saying. Like today, you can point to the list and say, "I would happily take that guy in the first round." of a sub draft or of a, a startup draft next year and like wouldn't think twice about it not like we're twisting your arm at the 112 and you have to make a pick or else the, you're at time out and you get nobody like that's not what we're talking about here there's some years we've talked about this in the past where there's like eight first round guys yeah and then if you're drafting ninth sorry you're basically taking a second round guy in the first round and somebody has to take them it's yeah. just a you know a matter of 
Yeah. Who All right. Well, if we're looking at it through that lens, then it's Baxter, Judkins, Singleton, um, Stewart, Burden, Tate, Branch. Okay. So that's about eight. 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 I I think I mostly agree. I think with my style of drafting, I would also be okay taking Tet McMillan in the first round. I think we're pretty aware of what he's going to be. I, his connection with Fafita is like, unless he gets hurt next year, I as about as comfortable as anybody projecting him to be a top 18 CFF wide receiver or something in that range next year. Arizona's looked really good lately. If you haven't watched Arizona in the past few weeks, like they look, yeah. they, they kind of look, like a like a good like pretty yeah. pretty good team right now yeah. um which i didn't necessarily i thought they'd be a fun team coming into the year that's a lot yeah. different than a good team um i i would put tet in that group i, I would okay. feel pretty good about having tet uh you know and if he's sitting there at 109s i'm gonna try not to do any startups next off season <laughs> the only ones i i, I talked into the, our home league we did the home mm-hmm. league and so i was like of course okay so i can yeah. smash these noobs and then i didn't make the playoffs in the college side this year so that was which cool. was a, that was a surprise <laughs> yeah i had to, i went in this week and of course i had about five players put up zero points that was really really cool um i'm coping by my team's in first place on the nfl side but we'll see how long that lasts um but yeah like if i if i had to do a startup i think i think i would take him in the top i actually would, i would probably take him before tate i think i would take branch over him but i think i would take him mctet over tate or Jonathan, okay. which means i'm now rethinking my rankings because i think i have tet literally the spot behind those two guys and now i'm thinking maybe i should have tet the spot i should above them hmm. decisions decisions hmm. i haven't been, i haven't been that wrong on a prospect like that one of those top prospects like he's like the biggest one that i'm like i just didn't think he would translate at all he's been very very good I think it helps him being like pretty much the not the whole offense, but being such a huge part of the offense production wise. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, we thought Matthew Golden would do that this year too, and he's been good, but not you know transcendent within the yeah. offense itself, like Ted has. So you know, it uh, it is it is now. I think cost for those two players was a little different. So yeah, um, and quarterback but, play is a little different. <laughs> man, that this total sidetrack. We how many times did we talk this offseason about this? That Houston quarterback situation was going to be the ultimate. This player probably isn't good versus this system just makes you will produce kicking and screaming. We don't care how bad you are. We're gonna make you throw for 3,500 yards and run for another 700. He stinks, man. <laughs> he, he does stinks. And I think that finally answers the age-old question of, you know immovable object and you know whatever all right just that's not the force like geez yeah. oh my god just geez. when i think just when i think i was out on donovan smith he pulls me back in oh, man. in terms of cff yeah. uh i i my guide him in the debbie guide because he was going to be in like tier seven uh and i think that's looking like that was probably going to be the right case <laughs> that was a good spot for him. <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah home. yeah <laughs> That was that college football is so tough with those things because there are so many like, man, all these kids are better than me. It's not what I'm saying. But there are so many like, quote unquote, like bad football players that you just put them in a situation 
and they're just gonna produce like it just mm-hmm. doesn't matter like the volume is so absurd the offense is just so targeted to do one specific thing that they're the one doing that it just doesn't matter and it just makes some of these guys <laughs> so tough because there will be guys too that were like man like this guy was literally garbage for four years at some other school and they roll up to some other place and all of a sudden they're freaking god it's just like God, it is so <laughs> annoying. You just like, it's really hard not to have those baked in assumptions, but you almost yeah. have to go into every off season and just be like, do we actually know that this player is good? Do we actually know that this player is bad? It is so tough sometimes. It is. It is. All right. Back, back to the, the topic at hand here. Um, so we feel good. We said about nine players and just yeah. to list them in no particular order, but kind of particular order. Um, no quarterbacks at running back. Uh, Judkins, Baxter, Singleton. Yep. At wide receiver, what? I said, right. yep. Okay. And then wide receiver, Evan Stewart, Luther Burden, Zachariah Branch, Tim McMillan. And then you wanted to throw Carnell Tate in there too, and John Tate Cook? Uh, I will all throw Tate in there. Okay. okay. You get your Tat McMillan, I get Tate. Tate we're going, we're going tete tete tete. here. Okay. <laughs> I'm so clever. Both, we went two different directions with that. Both bad puns. <laughs> no, they were the best puns. <laughs> All right. So we have, we have not, we were saying right now, the kind of the cutoff is at nine. And then if you have the yeah. 110, sorry, you, you're out of luck. You just hoping some of your league mates are dummies. Um, but there are, I think a lot of times, Kind of that end of the first round, like those next like subsequent like six to eight picks are really fun mm-hmm. because there are definitely some players in certain years going in that range that it starts to become obvious early in the offseason that they should not be going there and nobody catches up to it. Two years ago, Marvin Harrison Jr. was going in that range. And we are not the only ones talking about it, but on this show, multiple times we're like, Marvin Harrison Jr. should not be going in like at like pick 17 that he should not be going there and lo and behold he should not have been going there so there are some gems in here and i think these are kind of is either where you start seeing maybe the top freshman come off the board or just guys that were kind of like they got to prove it but there's good opportunity here for them to do that so who are some guys here calling is this where you would start thinking about some quarterbacks here yeah yeah, I mean, outside of that first group that we're like getting the warm and fuzzies about in the first round, um, that's where I'm start looking at Malachi Nelson, um, Drew Lar, Connor Wigman, and Dante Moore. Although I am pretty convinced Dante Moore is going to be leaving UCLA uh, with the way that that's going, so I'll be interested to see where he ends up. But I would still put him in there right now. Um, so those four. I am a little bit more aggressive with quarterbacks, though, than you are. Like, I like to get a perceived top Debbie guy mm-hmm. um, because it can, if you don't get one in the startup, like, it can be tough to get one if you have a good college team every year. Um, sure. So, I do tend to be a little bit more aggressive on those top quarterbacks. So, I would put all four of them in this next group. Yeah, so realistically, you know, I'm going to say that I, if I have a late first, I'm probably not taking any of these guys. Um, Yeah, I probably am not taking any of the quarterbacks in this range. Because the whole point of taking freshman quarterbacks 
is to try to turn them into something else before (laughs) they actually have to play football. Um, Usually you can catch someone who's just like really high on one of them and is, is ready to go all in and you can, you can make some fun moves there. Um, So I'm not taking any quarterbacks in that range today. Obviously could change. And you know, the guys you would say like Alar Wegman, Nelson and then the and kind Moore. of those Nelson Moore. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could pay me to take Dante Moore in the first five rounds of a C2C startup right now. Oof. Like if I had a draft today. Yeah. I and guess it's not I'm... because I think he's bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, I, 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 can't, I, I, don't, I don't love that pick there uh, because I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know what that yeah. situation is going to be. Yeah, I um, I I, th- I think there's a lot of uncertainty there, and I, you know, we're all saying yeah, he's going to transfer, he's going to leave. I don't know that that's like, I don't feel so good about that that I'd be like, I'm just waiting for the day that we see the tweet from Pete Tamil or whoever saying that he's entered the portal. But I definitely think that it's like a legitimate, I don't know, greater than twenty percent chance that he does. So until I either get Either that until the portal closes and he's not in it, I'm probably not buying Dante Moore. Cause I I think his big problem is he doesn't really fit that offense very well. And where we thought that Chip Kelly would be a little more uh flexible, doesn't seem like he really has been too much. So and they don't really have like you would think if you had Dante Moore, it would be really it would and they got him late last cycle. I get this. But there's no buzz at all about them getting any sort of re- receiver recruits in there. If you're a good receiver recruit, would you not want to go play with Dante Moore? Yeah, you would think. So what? what's the deal? Like, what's the problem? Does everybody know he's leaving? Is he a dick and no one wants to play with him? Like, what, <laughs> seriously, like, what's the deal? Yeah. I, I don't understand. I, they have one Is guy. Is UCLA just not recruiting wide receivers? They, they have a guy, uh, Kilmer or something that's coming in. Let's say Quasi Gilmer or something like that is his name. Oh, uh, okay. He is, if if not the lowest graded player that I have so far, very close to it. And I've graded about 120 players so far in the freshman class. Um, like, I, I I don't really know what the situation is there. So I, more, I, I don't think I would take him there at all. And it isn't a player take. It's just a value, a value in managing my roster take. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. The other three, I think you could convince me, you know, one way or the other. I would not pull the trigger, but, you know, depending on how Drew Alara closes out the season and whatever happens at AM this offseason, and, you know, Malachi Nelson, assuming he gets the job at, at USC, you know, those are guys that I, I could be convinced. And I actually, I think, could be convinced to put Nico in that grouping as, to, as well. Okay. I think okay. Nico should firmly be a second round pick in startups next year. Mm hmm. Um, he looked pretty solid again. It was UConn, like whatever, but he looked fairly comfortable this weekend. So did some guy named Gaston, which by the way, not enough people liked my Gaston tweet this weekend, which <laughs> very, very much upset me. <laughs> I um, didn't see it. If you're, if you're a, f- a fan of musical theater and you know, ten- Tennessee volunteers, that tweet was definitely for you. So <laughs> go, go check I don't know what out. the, I don't know what the Venn diagram on that one is. <laughs> Chris Moxley's in it. I don't know who else, but I know Moxley <laughs> likes some musical theater at some time. So I don't think he likes. Yeah, it. but does he like Tennessee Volunteers football? 
he likes football football you know he's just a real man's man when it comes to football so you know. he's a wide variety of interests as we have established in the, he does in our slack he would have been like literally the last person in our grouping that would have been that would have been like oh yeah i bet he just goes fishing on sundays to unwind and then every sunday he'll be like look at all the fish i caught and he literally gets no <laughs> response from anybody in the company <laughs> Like, it's not even just us. Like, there's like 30 of us. He literally gets no responses from anybody. He just posts a bunch of pictures of him with a fish. Um, they're, they're, they look like they're decent fit. You know, a lot of yeah. bass fishing and stuff. It seems to be what, he, what he's tending to do. But I'm just like, I don't know how to respond to this picture of a fish. You just, just so. And I grew up fishing like all that, like all summer, every summer. But uh, it's been uh, a while since, yeah. since I've uh, done that uh, consistently. Same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would put Nico in that group too. Um, would you put Dylan Rayola in there? True freshman quarterback going to Georgia. He's our top quarterback in the class for anybody not familiar with him. Georgia's offense, they've actually been passing the ball a lot this year. Um because Carson Beck's really good though. So <laughs> and let's uh, what should we assume let's assume for our purposes of at the discussion we're having here today that Carson Beck returns to school. He yeah, I think that's year. fair. And so all of the players that we're assuming return to school, we're going to put in the group that would be eligible for this round. Like, yes. And it also, Sanders. you know, might impact, you know, for instance, if we were saying, you know, Jonathan Brooks, we think he comes back, then that would have yeah. impacted our discussion on right. that. We, we right. okay. don't, we said that, but so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um, hmm. Get the question. <laughs> Get the... <laughs> uh, I said, would you put Dylan Rayola in kind of like that? Uh, okay, got know, it. Not Rayola. first round, but kind of like early to mid second round kind of guys that um, be in there. Yes, only because of the value retention side of things, where there's a lot of guys here that I think have a strong potential to lose value over the year, where we're not shouldn't expect to see Dylan Rayola at all. I don't think he'll lose value. So, yes, I would put him in that group. And then I haven't really completed my evaluation of him yet. I've watched him, but I don't like have a grade on him yet. I think he's good. I think he's a little overhyped right now. So I would take him in there and then I could potentially I would feel good that I could potentially flip him if I needed to. Yeah, the good news for him is I I don't want to say Georgia, you know, Georgia has recruited the quarterback position fairly well from like just a blanket, go look at the rankings perspective. But if you have asked us as a group, and this isn't us saying, you know, that we know more than the services or whatever, but we haven't really been high in any of the quarterbacks that they've brought in. We did not like Brock Vandergriff at all, which he's going by clay. Wait, now? what? So my wife, the, <laughs> thought this was hilarious we're sitting there watching the game i was watching georgia on like the tv tv and they 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 said clay vandergriff i swear to god the announcer said it like four times at the end of the game i guess he came in or something like that or took the kneel or something and i was like <laughs> gonna edit the what i said but i was <laughs> like what the that's not his name but then they kept calling him that, and there's no way they have another Vandegrift quarterback on this roster, right? I haven't like looked. I wouldn't think so. I was I was like, his name's Brock. <laughs> nope, Clay. That's I, hilarious. I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, it confused me. Um, but we didn't like Brandon Brock Vandergriff, and then we we thought Gunnar Stockton was fine, but there were mm. some issues with his yeah. game for sure. Yeah. Um, that that he wasn't ready to play within the first year and probably you know two as we we've, we've seen. So yeah, um, I don't think there's a lot there that would block him, mm-hmm. and I don't think judging by their recent track record that they're going to bring in someone who's instantly better than him unless he just turns out to be really really bad. So I do th- like I just think he like people are going to view him as just pretty much the next sure thing there at Georgia for a while, which does feel nice if you have him sitting on a roster somewhere i in one league this year um i'm in it's 16 team league i'm in first place um scored a lot of points i did earlier this year a pick swap that ended up with me with the 101 in that league (laughs) and the 201 actually um and so now i'm debating like do i take rayola there even though he's not my favorite player in the class because of just the, the straight value. I think that's going to be an interesting um, thought exercise as I get closer to that. But um, I, I do think for a lot of reasons, Rayola stands out as like a good pick, even if you don't love him, because enough people do that if you want to get out from under him, you can do it pretty easily, as you could have this year with any of the top five quarterbacks if you really, really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. Um, any receivers in this range that we're looking at? We've already kind of mentioned. Let's put Jonte Cook in there. We, yeah. we agreed. You know, we didn't think he he belonged in the previous one. Would you take Antonio Williams there? Yeah. With the questions in Clemson, I don't think I would. Um, I would. I, I still feel good enough about Antonio Williams as a player um, that I think he's going to be a top fifty pick at the NFL level. So. Yeah, I, I would put him in that group still. And if uh, he do, and if he has another disappointing year, year next year, what happens to him? See, that's I, I don't think that's he's really been disappointing this year. He's been hurt. That's the thing. It's still disappointing to me. <laughs> Somebody is. who has a it lot is. of Antonio Williams. It is. It is disappointing that he has been hurt, but I, it's not the play. So I think we saw. I think we have seen not what his floor is because obviously things can always get worse. Um, yeah, but I think gonna, we've seen pre- kill all my roster. <laughs> I think we've seen pretty close to the floor with Antonio Williams, where and then that was last year at his freshman season. So from like a production standpoint, so I feel pretty good about him being able to produce uh, as a, provided he's healthy. So I do would we, keep him in there. Do we think their offense is uh, better from a passing perspective next year? Um, it might take like a half step forward, but I don't think it'll be too much better. We haven't seen him play with Tyler Brown yet. Are you concerned about that? No, I think that the, I, I think Antonio Williams is a better player than Brown. I think at this point, Brown is a really solid slot player. He's a very good safety blanket, but I don't know that he offers too much else at this point. I haven't seen a lot else. Now, I haven't really like dove in to watch the tape, like really analyze it or anything like that at this point. But I think right now I have Tyler Brown as just a, a really good slot player, good safety blanket, but not like a difference maker type player where I think Antonio Williams can and at times has been a difference maker. So I would I, I'm not overly worried about Tyler Brown uh, and his impact on Antonio Williams. I think. You you get them both on the same field at the on the field at the same time, or you have Antonio Williams out there. 
I think with Williams having the year that he's had, I think we have to be a little more reactionary with him. I, I would not take him in this range personally, but I'm glad that we're on just separate sides of this because we can at least present the pros and cons for guys like Williams. You know, I mean, at some point we have to take players, right? <laughs> like, right. That's what it's coming down to. Right. We have to take some guys. So let's say you have the 110 in a draft or 111 next year. You know, you kind of got kind of got those those turn picks and the top nine are all gone. You want to walk out it, you want to double tap, you know. Jonte Cook and, and Antonio Williams. That would feel awful. Um, I would literally feel like I lost the draft after two, after 15, 15 freaking picks into it. I'd feel like an idiot. I I'm just trying to be realistic about. Like, I wouldn't love it, but roster shaping a roster which starts at the top at the very beginning of these drafts. I wouldn't love it, but I mean, who else are you taking at those spots? I'm taking a freshman if I if I have to just to, to hold some value. I would probably take Jeremiah Smith over him. Actually, I will say it for sure. I would I would one thousand percent take Jeremiah Smith over him. I would a thousand percent take Micah Hudson over. Okay. Him. Yes, I I would take those guys over. Antonio Williams. Um, and then I just wouldn't take a receiver there. Yeah. So, I mean, roster construction-wise, like, sure, in this hypothetical exercise where we don't have players picked in specific spots, like, this is just all so nebulous right now. You're like, would you feel okay with Antonio Williams in your tier two of players? I'm like, sure, yeah, the back end of it, yeah. I don't, okay. I don't understand how this is a nebulous exercise. We haven't put, like picks or anything like that to players you're just like you feel good about him in the second group yeah in the top you know 20 picks of a draft yeah i would feel okay with him in like that 18 to 20 range with antonio williams okay i, I think i i would i would just pivot to a freshman and then i think he might fall into kind of like that tier three for me okay like the opposite and like you know the late second into the third round that all kind of tends to be one tier every single year because you really yeah. start running out of um you know guys you feel really really good about um i, I think he falls into that one I, I really really do um him barry and brown although you know later in that tier i think he, he's been pretty disappointing this year um you know maybe isaiah bond at the wide receiver position if we're talking running backs I don't know. Raheem Sanders probably falls into that tier three. I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him too early this year after the year that he's had. There's no guarantee he bounces back. Yeah. Where would you take Justice Haynes in all of this? Oh man. Um, Jam Miller. They used Jam Miller a decent amount. Um, yeah, last, he looks solid this past week, and he looked pretty solid. So that what, makes me a little bit more skeptical on Haynes. Well, I'm just wondering what's Haynes's um, redshirt situation looking like, like in terms of how many games has he played. I'm um, not sure, but I I would feel pretty I, sure. I, I bet I, I feel. I think we're gonna say the same ahead. thing. Yeah, I feel I pretty comfortable has a red redshirt. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna try to use. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's only played three games as far as I can tell. Arkansas. Mississippi State, Middle Tennessee. So they have one more, I guess, if they want to use them. And then I don't know. I wonder, Did they uh, officially say the bowl games are uh, not going to count for the red shirt anymore? They did it last year, but I don't know if that was like finalized as a forever thing or if it was just I'm like, not oh, sure. let's try this out. And, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think that's 
that's Haynes's issue right now. I bet we probably don't really see him again this year. Uh, they've got yeah. Jam. They've got Roydell. They've got they've got Jace. I, I I don't think we'll see too much of him. Um, and that's not even to say like that he wouldn't end up as the RB one next year. I just don't think they want to. Doesn't really make sense to burn a red shirt for a guy if you don't have. If you to. don't have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, they have a. Uh, would you take him in that tier two of players? I think I would. Yeah, they do. Um, he would be. He would be right there with like Antonio Williams for me, honestly. So, right at the very end of that tier two. I think I'd be comfortable him. with him because I think the nice thing about running backs is that we only care about their uh, best season. We don't really care mm-hmm. about, you know, breakout and any of that kind of crap. And I think especially just like, you know, thinking about what is everybody else, what is the market thinking about this is I have this player is that everyone's going to say, well, he didn't play at Alabama yet because Alabama always has a guy there and he's just waiting his turn or whatever else. The other bull crap they can feed themselves to make, make themselves sleep at night. Um, so I do think that he has that value pretty insulated for a while. So I actually do kind of like him in that range along with those quarterbacks, um, you know, along with one or two wide receivers, maybe, uh, that wide receiver position is really draining out this year. Kind of like running back did. It's draining uh, out year. so much as I'm looking at these receivers, I'm like, man, it is going to get very thin at the top. And then yeah. there's not really that many guys below them that we feel that great about, which is another reason I would kind of keep Antonio Williams up there. But yeah, that's fair. Okay, so we're gonna say there's in that in this tier here, um, in the second tier at running back, Justice Haynes, and that's probably it. Raheem Sanders. I like him more. I I don't I don't think I would trust him there. That's fair. I think unless they're like because yeah, it could bottom out. He got back down to 225 yeah. and he looks freaking sweet. Then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm back in. But I'm pretty out on Raheem Sanders right now, actually. I've been trying yeah. to sell him pretty much everywhere I have him if I can. Found a sucker in one league. Uh, got got Brees Hall out of him. So that was pretty cool. This was weeks ago. <laughs> that was weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I bet you guys can guess who the sucker was. <laughs> um. What about Roderick Robinson? Yeah, he has an, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't know what to make of him. I've dropped him a little bit in my rankings. He came into the year as my RB2. He was like barely a tier one running back, and then Justice Haynes was barely not a tier one running back. So they were they were close, but separated by that tier line. Um, I think by June or July, I'd flipped them. And then since then, I've actually also had um, Caleb Jackson jump him. But he's still my RB4 in the class. Him and Ruben Owens, I think, uh, and Cam Seldon, I actually have back-to-back-to-back to back to back at 15, 16, 17 right now in my C2C RB rankings. I have a couple guys that are returning next year for sure ahead of him. Uh, Katron, uh, Trevor Etienne, Caleb Jackson, as I mentioned. And then I have Jam Miller with in that grouping as well, just in case he does get that job. Um, I... I I am having a really hard time reading Georgia lately. Yeah. And so I'm just like, maybe I just don't want to play that game anymore. I, I don't really know. I don't know. But he could, because they did say he looked pretty good in the spring. I think he's actually been a little bit injured. And I don't know how many games he's played either, but we might be hitting the point in the year with uh, Dejon Edwards looking pretty good that 
Um, we ended up just getting a red shirt for him too. Let's see. He has mm-hmm. he's averaging six yards a carry on the season. He got banged up early in the year. It looks like he's played three games as well. So this is another one where I bet he's redshirting regardless. It's because it sounds like, you know, maybe he could be back in, you know, by the end of the year. He played against UT Martin. He went eight for 50. Played against Ball State. He went six for 38. And then he played against South Carolina. He went one for one. So not a lot to take away there. I don't think I'm really dropping him per se. I've just had a couple of guys jump a little bit above him. He's also been jumped this year by Devin Neal, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, that's it, actually. Those are the only guys that have jumped him. Everyone else that was already ahead of him was already ahead of him. So, you know, not a lot of concern. Um, maybe not. No. Damn it. You're putting, you're talking me back into him in that range. <laughs> no, I won't do it. I won't do it. I wouldn't take Roderick Robinson. You can't make me. Okay. Fair enough. What about you? I mean, what, you, what about him? And then we might as well put Ruben Owens in that conversation as well, because I think he kind of, you know, was around there for a lot of people as well. Um, Ruben Owens, I don't think so. Um, Roger Robinson, you could potentially talk me into that. Um, but he's prob I probably feel better about him in like that tier three over Robinson. I agree. Him, Trevor Etienne, Caleb Jackson, I think they all belong in that tier pretty squarely. Some guys that we like the player, the opportunities kind of murky and i think that's kind of where tier two separates itself from tier three i think tier two and tier three for me at least when i'm kind of looking at these drafts and figuring out you know the first block of players the second block the third block is like tier one is like we probably know the player and we probably know the opportunity tier two is like we probably either know the we probably know the opportunity and we're unsure on the player and then tier three is like you know, kind of probably somewhere in between there where it's like, well, we kind of know the player and kind of know the opportunity, but there's some wiggle room there. I think that's kind of what differentiates. And so that's why I think I, I would drop Rob, Roderick Robinson down into that tier three, along with, like you said, you know, Ruben Owens, Jam Miller, Caleb Jackson. I think we know Trevor Etienne maybe doesn't fit there, but I also think if we're talking ceiling, I'm not sure that his ceiling is so high that I would want to take him mm-hmm. that much earlier than that. Like what's Trevor Etienne's ceiling? You've always, you've been a big supporter of his since day one. What, what can he be? He's not his brother. I think we, we no, all agree on no. that. No, he's not his brother. I don't really have like a specific stylistic comp um, for him or anything like that. But I think he could be a like back end RB2 fantasy wise, back end RB2, high end RB3 at the NFL level. If he ends up in the right situation, maybe you bump that up into like a mid RB2. But I think that's probably his ceiling. Um but the running back position is so replaceable that I don't think he's a guy that is irreplaceable. But I do think he's a guy that will play out his rookie contract and have some fantasy value for your NFL side. He basically kind of strikes me, and correct me if you just don't agree with this at all. I don't he agree kind, with this at all. He, That's fair. Based <laughs> on what we've watched out of him so far, um, I think that he – is basically, and don't, this is not an insult. It's not an insult, I swear. I swear to God. He's Jalen Warren, but with some pedigree. So mm-hmm. I think people will okay. think more highly of him the day he enters the NFL, whereas Jalen Warren has kind of had to scrap his way mm-hmm. to kind of the opinion that we all hold of him now. Does that feel like a fair comparison? I think he stands like slightly bigger, but I think they're kind of similar. And I, yeah. Warren may be a little more jitterbug-ish, but I think they're kind of similar-ish. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think that 
perception wise, the, the like you said, he's uh, Etienne has the pedigree, and Warren is kind of like the one B to Najee's one A. Where you know you obviously hope that Etienne gets drafted to a place where he's more of the one A. Yeah, than is in the Steelers' offense. So yeah, also a fair point. It doesn't <laughs> both, have both Matt Canada. Would be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, th- I think we're kind of on the same page there. Uh, that's interesting. Um, uh, quarterbacks in this range. Start talking about Arch Manning. Start talking about Jackson Arnold. We mentioned Nico possibly belongs in that that tier above mm-hmm. him there. You you think all those quarterbacks kind of fall squarely in there? Someone's going to take them. I'm not yeah. probably, but some somebody's going to take them in that range, right? For the chance that they like actually are good. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing that really helps, at least Arnold and Nico, and you kind of said Nico maybe in a tier above, uh, but I think the the thing that really helps those two in particular out of that group is that those should both be very productive CFF offenses. So even if you do whiff on the Debbie side, you get at least a little bit of consolation and the installation of, okay, I'll get like three years of CFF production. Like if they're not going to be good enough to come out in two years, um, like given the NFL like viewpoint on that, then they'll stay for a third year and you should get three years of CFF production for them. So that's at least some sort of a consolation prize. So I, I I would I would put them in that group. Arch as well, although the Arch is a little bit more unstable value wise, just because we're kind of leaning that Quinn Ewers is going to come back. So you'd have to wait another year on Arch. But I think um, Shador Sanders would also be in that group for oh, me, yeah, good assuming point. he comes back. Good point. Someone someone again. I I don't think I would take Shador there. And these aren't these aren't even necessarily like player takes. It's just like again like just value retention. Yeah. You know, this isn't a pro Shador, anti Shador stance. Yeah. Not, not really. Some, some of the, the freshmen, I think it is, at a certain extent. Like, I'm putting my stamp on the player and like hoping that we see enough year one where I don't have to go sell them really quickly. Um, but it definitely can happen. Um, I think, I think we do start talking about some other freshmen in this range. And I know we haven't really talked, we haven't really previewed a lot of the class for anybody that doesn't really listen to the official or follow those guys. You should be first off. They, they do a really good job um, talking about just the class in general from all sorts of different angles. Um, next year's class is not considered amazing. Um, Dylan Rayola is the, really the top quarterback. And then uh, the official team kind of thinks there's a top three essentially. Uh, DJ Lagway is going to Florida. Julian Sayan is going to Alabama. So you can, I think some people will start talking about Lagway Sayan in this range. Um, Sayan more of a pocket passer. Lagway, I think ran for like 250 yards two weeks ago or something. Yeah. Um, so he's having a crazy senior season. Um, running back group. I don't think any of the freshman running backs are going to go in that range. It's generally considered to be a very weak running back class. And as a group, we don't actually even really like any of the top guys that the services have. We've, we've gotten into some deeper names. My RB one's listed as an athlete. He's going to Penn state. He's not. And then my RB two is like the 30th rank running, running back in the composite. He's going to Clemson. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not great out of this, these streets right now at the running back position. Um, yeah, and then wide receiver is very deep though. And you've got a couple of guys that that we really, really like. And I think you could start seeing some of those guys go in this range. I think Jeremiah Smith and Michael Hudson are, are clear one and two. Jeremiah Smith in the Julio-ish bucket. 
He's going to Ohio State. Micah Hudson is more Stephon Diggs-ish bucket. He's going to Texas Tech as of today. Um, but don't like he's a five star. Like don't let that, don't let that fool you. He's a, a local kid. Um, th- those are kind of our top two. But I think in that tier three, maybe you start talking about Mylon Graham is a really athletic kid. We like it's kind of more of a slot. Uh, he's Zay Flowers ish kind of player going to Ohio State. Um, we like uh, I like Perry Thompson. I was going to say you're a Perry Thompson guy. Um, because they just have nothing there, and he's you know just like a huge athletic guy uh, who does who can play some football. Um, I like Aaron Butler. Aaron Butler is going to uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think he's an interesting guy. Um, he's I think we all have him top ten. A couple of us have him higher than that. Um, I know a big wide receiver guy is a big fan, yeah, but I, awesome. yeah, I like Aaron Butler. Yeah, so there, there's a smattering of, of freshmen. I think you start seeing in that range. Um, and I think a lot of them are, are good picks for that reason. You got to be careful on the wide receivers. You don't want those guys to turn into zeros. Um, any established guys that uh, that you like in that range, Colin? Let's start at let's start at wide receiver. Are there any guys that you think could go in there? Deuce Robinson, Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond. Yeah, I think those guys are are intriguing there. I think you could get some people um, with Travis Hunter in that range too. Okay, but there's yeah. a lot of risk I think with that. Again. Is he going to play wide receiver? Is he going to play corner at the NFL level? That's tough. Uh, and then Jalen Polk will be a really interesting case as to whether he comes back or whether he goes out. If he comes back, I think you'll see some people look at him in that range. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't have a strong opinion on whether he comes back or goes, though, to be honest. Yeah. I don't. Oh, well, I didn't even hadn't really thought about it until now. And now I realized I don't have a strong opinion. on it. Yeah. I, like, I feel uh, like it's 50, 50. Like, does he capitalize on a good year that he's just had and go out? Does he come back for another year and try and be the guy? Hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, does Katron belong in there? Katron Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I would put Katron Allen in the next group. He, um, He's looked better than than Singleton to this point. I mean, Catron Allen is just the classic like four yards and a cloud of dust kind of guy, and he might get you you know seven to ten yards on some carries, but he's probably never going to get you twenty. Um, but he also doesn't lose yards often. Do you think? Would you take Ollie Gordon in that range? Man, I would probably not. Uh, somebody will somebody will and there's a lot of the production there i mean i i don't know he feels very chuba hubbardish and i know it's a little scouting the helmet kind of a thing but just in terms of like massive massive year and then i could see him kind of having a disappointment and i don't really think that highly of him at the nfl level at this point i think that's more than fair um because I think he's, you know, I think someone could convince themselves on Ashton Genty in that range too, and that would definitely be a no-no for me. Um, I have Ashton Genty pretty high in my rankings, but where do you have him in right my now? C2C rankings? I have him at 16. Wow. Okay, I have him at 24, and I thought that was pretty aggressive. I I like this the CFF value um, of GNT, and I think there's something there at the NFL level, which is why I have him up at 16, but. If we're talking startup, I think it's a little bit different. And I would agree. I would not take GT in that region to start up. 
and 16. That just feels high to me. I don't know. But then I look at the group in front of them, and I have Rasheen Ali, Blake Corum, Damian Martinez, Gidrick Riscano, Trey Benson. I don't know. It probably yeah, doesn't really boil down to mm-hmm. what you think about him in the NFL. And I mm-hmm. maybe unfairly, since the first time I ever watched him, laid my little eyes on him, had him on had him on this year's show. Uh, didn't really picture him as much of an NFL back. So maybe that's on me. Yeah, I mean, I have, so the guys I have around him, um, just ahead of him, I have ETN, Trey Benson, Jam Miller. Um, although actually I think like I should put Miller ahead of Benson now that I'm looking at it. So ETN, Miller, Benson, Gene T, and then I have Shipley, Selden, Ruben Owens, Marshawn Lloyd, Audrick Estime, LaQuint Allen, Damian Martinez, Rasheen Ali. Yeah. Um, if I want what Genty and Gordon are, I probably hope to wait a round or two and take Darius Taylor next year. And this is getting into a totally different conversation. And maybe by the time the offseason shakes out, you won't even be able to do that. But it strikes me as because Darius Taylor was rated so lowly and not a ton of people outside of uh, one or two in terms of like the CFF crowd were talking about him. I know Josh Chevalier came on this show and and mentioned him um, as a guy he was pretty high on. And I did not heed his warning. Um, (laughs) I I think he's going to fall a little bit. I do too. I have Darius Taylor with... Um, Amari and Hampton, Ali Gordon, Jaden Ott. Jeez, why do you hate him? I have him the spot behind Ollie Gordon for what it's worth. Like literally the spot behind Darius Taylor. I have him the spot yes. ahead of Ollie Gordon. And those guys are in my 30s. 29, 29, 30, kind 31, of just 32. absolute detritus do you have in the late 20s that these guys are in the 30s, man? I have to know. Um, I have uh Raymond Davis up there. Good lord. Oh he's been, my! Oh, holy crap! He's been really good for CFF, and I factor that into my rankings here I, when I don't feel that great about him. Okay. Uh, I still have Donovan Edwards up there, which maybe I should probably drop him down. Yeah, I should probably drop him down. But I know I have—I know I'm higher on Marshawn Lloyd, Will Shipley, than you are. So I have those guys up in that range as well. In in some cultures, I'm pretty sure Ray Davis in the 20s get you sent to the gulag, man. That's just <laughs> awful. I'm sorry. That's so bad. It, you would have Ray Davis over Darius Taylor right now. Um, if I'm making a push for a title, yeah, I would have had him there. I'm I can't saying. have this conversation today. I wasn't prepared to have this conversation today. So <laughs> we'll leave that for a different time. Okay. All right. So is Cam Selden in this group at all? He's the last running back I kind of want to discuss as like a top three round back. I don't think I would take him there. He did get a little bit of run this past weekend. Um, I don't really have any comments on it. I mean, it was, again, it was UConn. I yeah. really kind of can't take much away from that game at all. Like I said, they rolled a guy out there named Gaston. He went five for eight. So, um, I I would not put Selden in there. I do have Selden as my RB nineteen though, so I have I'm pretty high on him, but I wouldn't put him quite that high. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I think I am in agreement. He, he'd kind of be in that next grouping for me. Um, any other names that you just want to toss out here that you think could or should be, you know, considered top 36 or so guys. And uh, as the off season moves on, we may see sneak in there. Um, I think Brian Thomas Jr. is another guy that I'm not 100% sure whether he goes out or comes back. Yeah, we did um, talk about him last week, yeah. Yeah, so he's a guy that I think you could talk about in that range too. Um, that's really about all that I have in that range, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. The guys we already talked about and then Brian Thomas Jr., yeah, I, I don't think I have anybody else in this range either. I'm looking over my QBs right now. You know, I think we're assuming that that McCord goes back as we talked about. I wouldn't take him in there. I wouldn't take Kate Klubnick in that range. Uh, we assumed Riley Leonard would come back. I, I wouldn't take him in there. Um, you start talking about some of those QBs who we like but weren't in that top tier and we haven't really seen a ton of yet. We're talking Aiden Childs, uh, Rashada. We did get a couple of games out of Um uh, Nova Sad, you know, th- that, that grouping, uh, sellers. Um, I, I don't think I would take any of them there. That seems a little rich. Um, Beck, Carson Beck, I think could go in there if he goes back to school. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know if I'd have him quite that high. Uh, I would probably put Jackson Dart, Michael Pratt ahead of him. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's egregious to put him up that high. Um, yeah, I think it'd probably be a little rich for my blood. He actually might be the one guy that I, you could convince me to take in that range next year, though. Is Beck? Yeah. yeah. No, no Pratt. Let's see where he ends up next year. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Alabama, Alabama quarterback. Uh, Michael Pratt. No, for what it's worth, I don't actually think he goes that way. That would make me feel so better, so much better. But at the same time, then you have to spend a much earlier pick than you would if he was at Tulane. Like, I think I wouldn't take him in the third round because I don't think I would have to take Michael Pratt in the third round. I think I would have to take Carson Beck in the third round if I, if I was going to take him anywhere. So that does kind of, you know, also alter the discussion and like make it a one, you know, one point deeper as well. Um, I don't know, Preston Stone, uh, he's been good lately. I wouldn't take him in there. And that, that's really the only QBs I think you could you could really talk about. Jackson Dart. Would you take Jackson Dart in the first three rounds of a startup draft next year? Assuming he goes back. He, he can technically leave this year he if could. he wants. I don't think he will. No, I think he comes back too. No, I mean, I mentioned him with Pratt too. Like It would be Dart, Pratt, Beck in that next group down for me. Um. No, I don't think I would take any of them there. Um, yeah, I don't think I would either. I mean, that, that, that kind of is the list, you know. I, I don't see a lot of other guys in there. You'll, you're a goofy ass. will probably tell me Austin Mack should go there. but I like Austin Mack, but not, not quite that much. I, I do think that we probably – see have him sit for two years and you have to wait for that so while i like him and i like the way that that uh offense like i think he's going to perform really well in that offense when he does get the reins you can't take a guy up that high that you're gonna have to wait for a second year on yeah 
Yeah, I think that's a tough one too. All right, so um, we threw a lot of names out there, and at the end of the day, I don't think we're like posting the top thirty-six players going into next year's draft. But I think that's just kind of our early feel of where a lot of these players are going to go. Um, if you have any questions about players and kind of you know trying to piece all this together now, um, one, th- I will say this, Colin. Tell me if you agree with this or not. My least favorite questions that I get are about mid-season startups. I hate so hard. mid-season startups. I hate them. I will never do one myself. I yeah. think they're dumb from like the concept of the league standpoint. I hate them. I hate them. And I hate questions when I get them too. Because so much of the time it's like, you're, you're not doing C, you're not doing any CFF this year. So why would you not just do a 45 round Debbie draft essentially? And then you'll figure it out later. That's what you should do. Yeah. So don't like, just leave me alone when it comes to this. Just go freaking draft for <laughs> me guys. I, I don't understand. I just, I hate mid, I hate mid season drafts so much. Yeah. I, I do not like mid season drafts. I will never do one personally. Just, there's just way too much in the college football landscape that changes uh, each off season and the end of the seasons. So yeah, I agree. You would pretty much need to approach it as just like a, a super heavy Debbie draft and you can figure out the college production later. Now, you know, guys that I would take that aren't Debbie values that I think are pretty insulated CFF values for next year would be like Byron Brown, Caden Salter, Thomas Castellanos, like those types of guys. But I don't think they're Debbie guys at all. So like... I, other than those types of players, it's so hard to project them out further than that. But yeah, I don't, I don't like in-season startups either. Thank you for backing me up on that. You guys can still ask me the questions. Just know that I hate it every time you ask me it. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I'll be honest. Uh, I actually don't think I've gotten too many in-season startup questions. At least not direct, asked directly. I've seen them in the Discord. I get a pretty hefty amount, but I will also say, I think a large amount of the ones that I get, the people that are- PJ and his burners? No, they're people, <laughs> they're people that I don't think listen to the show because they'll ask me shit that I just talked about like two days prior. And I'll be like, like you can't just be like, dude, just go listen to the show. But it's like, you just clearly do not listen, which is fine. I mean, that's sometimes you just follow someone on Twitter. You don't have to listen to their stuff. It's just like- Yeah. yeah. I, I got to repeat myself here. Okay. Um, so that's how that goes. All right. Um, we don't have waiver wire this week. Like we mentioned, um, we are going to do start sits, uh, and it is our last week of start sits. Uh, so, um, or at least mine, I, I'm taking a sabbatical from the show probably through the end of the year. At least it's nothing bad. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be away from the show. I'm not He's going to be off play. the multi coast. He's, uh, doing the new season of, uh, below deck. Oh, that's pretty great. Although I, like, I don't want to be the worker. No, no, no. They're your, you're, they're your yacht. It's on your yacht. Oh, it's on my yacht. Well, the yacht owner isn't on the yacht. I don't know if you, you don't watch Below Deck, obviously. I don't. No, I don't watch. <laughs> you clearly have no concept it's, of what the show is. No, it's. I know it's a show about yachts. Yes, it is. It's about the people working the yacht, and then they do like a, like short like cruises, essentially, like a group of mm-hmm. you know ten people hop on for like three days or whatever. So, and they're like most of the time just annoying trashy people that have money and money does not buy you class i will a thousand percent say that from watching this show um good lord um 
So uh, this is our last week doing it. So I'm just going to declare you the winner, even though I did not grade out last. Well, actually, you know what? I don't want to declare you the winner because yeah, I had to go back and I, count last week. And I if can't I beat believe. you this week, then maybe. Because right now, coming into last week, I'm 59 and 76 on the year. You're 66 and 73. This has been a tough year. We've always been above 500 in the past. I'm not mm. exactly sure. Like 55-ish percent. Like I'm not exactly sure... Did we, I mean, we just got dumber. I think this was a little more of a difficult year to predict. It was a I, tough year. It was a tough year. So, because there's a lot of like, there are a lot of guys that are like obvious, and then they've been like the studs, and then the other players have been very up and down. I think we've also think. just anecdotally, without actually having calculated this, when I go through, it seems like we've had a lot more players where like the line for uh, like wide receiver uh, running backs is 17 and a half points. I feel like we've had so many players this year that get like 15 to 16 and like not yeah. hit it. And I feel like we've also had vice versa, which is they have to get under 12 and a half at running back and wide receiver. And we've had so many get like 14, 15. So it's yeah. been like, I think like on overall, like if we'd said start this guy and you got 15 points out of them, you probably would have been happy. But for what we're doing here, like it's a loss. So yeah. we have, I think we've had a little more of that this year too. So I, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, but a little bit of a down year. But again, we did not grade out last week. We haven't looked at this week, although Colin already said he thinks he did horrible. So I do, um, I, I do think it was really bad. Maybe we, maybe I have a chance. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Um, so just last week, the last time I get to do it for this year, early week starts sits. We each pick 10 starts, 10 sits. These are non-obvious names on either side of it. Uh, we do not share our lists ahead of time. So uh, there are... Uh, there is usually a couple of names overlap uh, between the two of us. Um, and Colin, you usually lead us off. We just kind of go back and forth on these. Uh, usually kick off the start. So why don't you go ahead uh, and do that here for us this week? All right. Uh, first up for me is Marquez Cooper, running back for Ball State. Uh, he gets NIU this week. Uh, last three weeks, he's had 16, 25, and 26 carries. So as they've gotten into MAC play, He's really started to come on here down the stretch. He's a touchdown in back-to-back -to -back games. Uh, and then they get NIU, who allows 168.9 rush yards per game, which is 101st in the country. And NIU is the 26th worst team in defensive rush success rate. So uh, I, it's a soft matchup. The volume should be there. I like Marquez Cooper this week. All right. So I am starting Noah Fafita this week against Colorado. <laughs> Um, who has really stepped in and been excellent uh, for Colorado over the past, or yeah, for Colorado, for Arizona over the past uh, few games. Colorado, obviously, the very, very porous uh, pass defense as well. Um, but he's completed uh, over the past five games. His worst game was against Washington, where he completed 69.2% of his passes for 232 yards and three touchdowns. He's thrown for three or more touchdowns in four of his past five games um he doesn't do a lot from a rushing perspective but he's throwing you know he, he's throwing the ball a, a pretty hefty amount of the time um so and i i, you know, I think colorado's colorado man they are what they are at this point in the year uh i'm rolling out all my arizona wildcats this week but i wanted to highlight fafita yeah i mean i think that's a that's a good shout uh, my next start is Will Shepard, wide receiver for Vanderbilt. Uh, they get South Carolina this week. I 
Will Shepard outside the month of September has really seemed to kind of struggle. Uh, but South Carolina is such a great get right matchup uh, for passing attacks. They allow 285.9 pass yards per game, which is 129th. Uh, they are the eighth worst in defensive pass EPA per play and 10th worst in the country in defensive pass success rate. So you could throw all over them. Uh, I, I like uh, Will Shepard have a big week this week. All right. I am starting uh, Jarquez Hunter this week versus Arkansas. He's been pretty hot over the past uh, three or so games, really. And I don't know, you know, there was like, is he suspended at the beginning of the year? Is he is he kind of injured because he's not been, he wasn't super productive on the touches he was getting, but they've really upped his um, uh, volume over the past five games, essentially. He's been, has had 15 or more carries in four of those five games gone over a hundred yards in each of his last two games and had 91 yards uh, in another one of them. He's found the end zone uh, twice uh, in uh, two of the past three games. Uh, he is getting some receiving work as well, two or more receptions in his last four. Um, so just overall being been much more involved in their game plan. I don't know why it took them so long uh, to figure this out. And Arkansas is not a, bad rush defense by any uh stretch but they're not great and i just think with him being the focal point of their offense that he's gonna have himself a fairly nice day there fair enough um my next start is joey aguilar quarterback for appalachian state uh they get georgia state this week aguilar has been over 25 fantasy points in three straight and has accounted for three or more touchdowns in each of the last three games they get Georgia State this week. Their pass defense is an absolute sieve. Uh, 285.4 pass yards per game allowed, which is just under South Carolina. They're 128th. And then they're 16th worst in defensive pass EPA per play and 20th worst in defensive pass success rate. So guy on a hot streak, getting a soft matchup, fire him up. Yeah, I also have Aguilar, and I also want to toss out he's been over 40 yards rushing in uh, three of his past five games, which gives him a really nice floor. He throws for a ton of touchdowns. He hasn't gone under 25 fantasy points uh, in the past five weeks, and I didn't look beyond that because um, I, I usually don't for trends. Um, but, I mean, and he's gone over 30 points in three of those games and been was pretty close in one of the other ones as well. Like he, He's just been really, really good for them. So, yeah, I agree. I'm also uh, rolling Joey Aguilar out there. Uh, next up for me, Corey Kiner, running back for Cincy. Um, I said to start Emory Jones last week and because I thought they were going to absolutely gash UCF on the ground, and they did, but except it was Corey Kiner and Ryan Montgomery, and Emory Jones didn't do anything. So more along the lines of this matchup here, they get Houston. Houston is uh, not a good rush defense. They're not a good defense overall, but they're not a good rush defense. 160.3 rush yards per game, which is 91st in the country. Uh, they also allow uh, 31.6 points per game, so you can score a lot of points on them. They are ten, that's 110th in the country. Uh, and then Corey Connors also had 15 plus carries in three straight games. He's had 200 yard games in there. Uh, the only thing really holding him back has been touchdowns. He has one touchdown in his last five. Uh, so I think he's going to get back on track with a touchdown in this one, probably 100 yards. Yeah, I actually also have Kiner. I, I was forced to start him in a couple leagues last week, and it ended up 
uh, working out pretty well for me. Um, you, you touched on pretty much everything. I will say he is also actually, he's gotten three or more targets in three of his past five games. Although he hasn't done a ton in the receiving game, I think those targets are at least encouraging in terms of offering a potential um, you know, solid floor in this one. Uh, but agree on the, the defensive matchup there. Uh, pretty juicy one. Uh, all right, back to me. Um, Sam Brown, wide receiver for Houston. Uh, they get Cincy this week. I just talked about Corey Kiner in this one. Um, Sam Brown has had eight targets in three straight games. Uh, and Matthew Golden is hurt. Uh, not really sure if he's going to play in this one. He's kind of been banged up off and on this year. But I like Sam Brown to step in and have a big game, and especially if Matthew Golden's hurt. Uh, since his past defense is not very good, they allowed 238.7 pass yards per game, which is 90th in the country. Uh, and then they are also in the bottom third for defensive pass EPA per play and defensive pass success rate, um, the bottom 30s. So soft matchup uh, like Sam Brown this week. I'm going to get burned on this one, but I promise it's not necessarily chasing the points from last week. I kind of like Rashad Amos this week, the Miami, Ohio running back as they take on Akron. Akron has been torched by a bunch of RB1s this year, especially within the MAC. Ontario Brown went for like 280 and four against them a couple of weeks ago. And they've had a couple of other tough uh, performances against some RB ones lately as well. Amos. Yes. He did have a long run last week, but he still had 163 yards uh, rushing. He's had a touchdown on four of his last five games. He's getting double digit carries pretty much every week. So I think the volume is going to be there. And with kind of some of that big play uh, ability there, I, I like him to break at least one again here against Akron, who is just, pretty hopeless at this point. Um, so I, I, I kind of like Rashad Amos. He's a guy that's rostered in 4% of fan tracks leagues, and he's only started in 1% according to them. If you're in a really big pinch and you've got unlimited waivers and you just like desperately need a running back this week, I think you can go get Amos and he'll be okay for you in this one. I might have somebody else in that matchup a little later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, but this... I Next swear to God, up. if you say if you say sit in Akron guy, I swear to God, I have your address. I will come find you. <laughs> uh, my next start is Jordan McLeod, quarterback for JMU. They get UConn this week. Uh, Jordan McLeod's really been cooking lately. Uh, over 25 fantasy points in three straight and four of his last five. He's had a rushing touchdown in three straight as well. Uh, over 250 pass yards in four straight. Um, I think McLeod could be a potential league winner down the stretch because they get UConn this week, App State next week, and then Coastal in the championship. None of those are defenses that are going to scare you, and App State and UConn are both bad. Uh, but UConn's pass D is really bad. They allow 252.6 pass yards per game, which is 111th in the country, and they are 11th worst in defensive pass EPA per play and the worst in defensive pass success rate. So I'm starting Jordan McLeod. So I, I do agree, but he's also like the QB six on the year. So like, I just want to make sure that we're okay with it. He's QB eight on the year. Sorry. Well, that's fine. I mean, you had QB eight uh, a couple of weeks ago with Thomas Castellanos. So uh, Castellanos is below McLeod on the year, actually. So. Now he is. At the time, he was QB eight. Mm -hmm. So, okay. um, but I think Jordan McLeod, somebody that CFF names will be like, uh, that's an obvious one. But I 
think I'm sure he's probably out there in a lot of waiver leagues uh, mm-hmm. for C2C. So okay, just just had to make a comment. Had to make a comment. Sure, no, no I'm sure you did. <laughs> I am starting Kenneth Womack this week uh, versus Central Michigan. He has averaged 12 targets per game over his past five games. He's coming off a bye, and Central Michigan is a top or uh, sorry, a bottom 20 pass defense. Just a pretty good combo there all around. I like him. I, I like Jalen Buckley in this game too, but we're not going to put that one on the record here. I, I think this could end up being a pretty high scoring one overall. I was considering Buckley as a start too, but I've had a, such a hard time figuring out when to start Buckley and when to not. It's yeah. very frustrating. I think that's fair. Uh, my next start is EJ Warner, quarterback for Temple. Uh, they get USF this week, and in EJ Warner's first game back this past week from injury, threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, this Temple offense just looks so much different with him out there, and they get USF, who is a terrible pass defense. Uh, 305.7 pass yards allowed per game, which is 132nd, and they're sixth worst in defensive pass EPA per play. Uh, so I'm firing up EJ Warner this week. All right. Yeah, he did look good coming back from injury there. Um, I'm starting DJU this week. Um, Arizona, or, yeah, Arizona, Oregon State has been on the road uh, almost the entire past month where they're not as good of a team. But yeah, at home, I don't think I realized that. Yeah. So I guess they and, and they were uh, they played UCLA at home, but the other games at Cal, at Arizona, at Colorado. Um, so they've been on the road a ton. And that UCLA game, they won. Um, and that was a very tough defense. And he put up 21 fantasy points that week, which isn't great. But I think, you know, a weaker defense here in Stanford at home. Um, you know, I, I really actually really like Oregon State this week. Um, overall, I, I'm actually sitting a Stanford guy here later. Um, but I, I think DJ is a pretty decent play this week. And you're you're really just hoping that he vultures a touchdown or two. But he has done quite a bit of that this year. So... Yeah, I, I think you can do it this week. Uh, all right. My next start is Phil Maffa, running back for Clemson. Uh, they get Georgia Tech this week. Shipley did miss last week with a concussion. I'm not sure if he'll be in or not. If it's a concussion, it's probably only one week. He'll probably play. Uh, if he doesn't, definitely start Phil Maffa. If he does, I'm probably starting both of them, to be honest. Uh, Maffa, the last two weeks, has had 16 carries, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. And then this last week, without Shipley, 36 carries, 186 yards, and two touchdowns. And then they get uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, Their run defense is terrible. They allow 220 rush yards per game, which is 132nd in the country. Uh, So I'm starting Phil Maffa. And if Shipley's back, I would start him too. Yeah, I, I also have him, and I have written down I would start him even if Shipley's back. It's it's this yeah. is a regardless play because I think oh. even if Shipley's back, not that like Mafa has you is magically usurped him or whatever, but I think it'll bring him along a little slower. It doesn't make sense to just throw him out there for twenty five touches in his first game back. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Mafa this week quite a bit. And um, Georgia Tech is bottom twenty in both of the defensive rush efficiencies that I look at. Yeah, they're I'm, really bad. Yeah. Uh, my next start is Trevor Etienne, running back for Florida. Uh, they get LSU this week. Uh, last week, Etienne had a, a really nice game. 12 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown, and two catches for 43 yards. 
Uh, but he's been averaging six yards per carry on the year this year. He's just very explosive. And that is where LSU is very vulnerable. Uh, their rush defense is the 26th worst in defensive rush explosiveness. They also allow 171.1 rush yards per game, which is 104th worst in the country. Uh, so I think ETN can break a couple big ones in this one. Um, I am starting Caden Fegan this week, the Illinois running back against Indiana. Um, I, I'm, I have been a little hesitant just because I, I haven't known exactly how they're going to handle this backfield long-term and what, what exactly they want to do, but it does seem like Fegan, at least to close the year here, I think they're just going to ride him. Fegan is a true freshman for anybody that's not familiar with him. He was a guy that we, as a company, very much liked this recruiting cycle, like huge, like 240-pound athlete, athlete, Braylon Allen-ish from like a, a background perspective in terms of like did not play great competition, but you could just watch and see that from an athleticism standpoint, like the, the it looked like he was playing a different game than everybody else in the high school field. Uh, I thought it would take him a year or two to get this job. They said through the spring that he was like, really trying to pick everything up like it wasn't like he kind of came in there and was the guy but he's come in there the past three games he's been over 20 fantasy points uh this past game 22 carries 89 yards uh three catches 59 yards he's he can do a little bit of everything he's capable of busting a big one he's getting the volume he's been had 19 or more carries in each of the past three games um i i you know he's still kind of figuring it out and that's the scary part i think it's going to be funny because I actually think he's going to perform well enough down the stretch here to make him a guy that probably goes higher than I'm comfortable taking next year. Uh, but if you have him for now, I, I think you definitely ride him through the rest of the season. And Indiana, by the way, is like a bottom 35 rush defense. They're pretty woeful on that side of things. Yep. Um, my last start is DJ Giddens running back Kansas State. Uh, they get Baylor this week. Uh, DJ Giddens has been kind of coming on here towards the end of the year. 30 26.1 and 7.5 fantasy points in his last three That 7.5 came last week against Texas. That's just a tough matchup. Uh, but he also had five targets last week. So they are getting him involved in the passing game. Uh, Baylor's run defense is also not very good at all. They are, uh, they allow 187.3 rush yards per game, which is 121st in the country, 15th worst in defensive rush EPA per play and 35th worst in defensive rush success rate. Uh, so Fire up BJ Giddens. All right. Last one for me is uh, South Carolina running back Mario Anderson against Vanderbilt. Ooh. I know. He actually has gone 16-plus uh, attempts in three of his past four games. He's averaging four targets per game over the past five, which gives him a really nice receiving floor. And the most important reason, Vanderbilt is crap. So give me Mario Anderson this week. All right, Colin. Uh, you have your 10 in as well, right? One, two, three, yes. four, five, six. All right. You want to read your 10? I'll read my 10, then we'll go to sits. Yes. Um, I have Marquez Cooper, running back, Ball State. Will Shepard, wide receiver, Vanderbilt. Joey Aguilar, quarterback, App State, Appalachian State. Uh, Corey Kiner, running back, Cincinnati. Sam Brown, wide receiver, Houston. Jordan McLeod, quarterback, JMU. EJ Warner, quarterback, Temple. Uh, Phil Moffa running back Clemson, Trevor Etienne running back Florida, and DJ Giddens running back Kansas State. All right, and my 10 were Noah Fafita, uh, quarterback Arizona, Jarquez Hunter, 
running back Auburn, Joey Aguilar, quarterback uh, App State, uh, Corey Kiner, running back Cincinnati, Rashad Amos, running back Miami of Ohio, Kenneth Womack, wide receiver Western Michigan, DJ Uyunglele, quarterback Oregon State, Phil Moffa, running back Clemson, Caden Fegan, running back Illinois, and Mario Anderson, running back South Carolina. All right, Colin, let's get into our sits. I'm sitting your boy, Ray Davis, against Alabama. Alabama, <laughs> for as long as Nick Saban has been there, has gotten destroyed by rushing quarterbacks. And that's held up this year, too. But they have not given up 100 yards rushing to a single running back yet this year. And they've played some pretty freaking good ones over the course of the season. They've got a pretty good front seven. If you're going to beat them, they're going to make the quarterback do it. Watch, well, sure, shit means Kentucky's not beating them this weekend. And that means that Ray Davis is going to struggle here, too. I'm also sitting Ray Davis. Oh, my God. He's in the top 20 for a push, but I can't even start him in the first round of the playoffs. Jeez, man. It's it's tough. It's tough out there in these streets. That's a tough matchup against Alabama. I completely agree with you. They are very good at limiting running backs. Um, They allow 119.6 rush yards per game, 32nd in the country, and they're 14th in defensive rush success rate. So that's a very good rush defense. In the playoffs, when it matters, Ray Davis probably brought you here, but I don't think you can start him this week. Speaking of sitting running backs, I'm sitting all the running backs in that Michigan and Penn State game. <laughs> Apparently you are too. Um, no, not all of them, but go okay. ahead. I, okay. I, I have seen a lot. For the record, I do think Michigan wins this game. But I have seen a lot of Michigan fans talking about like they're going to go out there and whoop Penn State. It wouldn't shock me if this is like a 14 to 6 game. I don't think Michigan is very good offensively. I don't I know Penn State isn't actually very good offensively. I think That's both rude. Teams are, Did you watch that game? Did you watch that against Maryland? Maryland? Yeah. I could line up a quarterback and you could line up a tight end and we would have put up some points against Maryland last weekend, Colin. They're bad defensively i i think both teams will really struggle to move the ball this week um so uh obviously i'm not i'm not picking the running backs here at all for what it's worth i i agree i strongly considered saying sit everybody in this game for the reasons that you said i think this is going to be a very low scoring game i i think both of these defenses are very very good uh and these offenses have a lot of question marks um here here's a question for you Colin because you're a Penn State fan Penn State against Ohio State basically made them throw and without Marvin Harrison Jr I don't know if they would have been able to do that consistently throughout that game I think there are a lot of scenarios where Michigan struggles to can't run it have to go to throw it and I don't know who they're leaning on in that game what do you think Roman Wilson's really the the guy that I think that they would try to lean on there. Um, I don't know exactly where they would play Wilson, um, but we have. I mean, it's hard to. We, look at you, <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard to t- say like yeah, like we have the guys to take away like receivers and then have Marvin Harrison do what he did, but it's Marvin Harrison. Yeah, um, exactly. He's done it two years in a row for us because yeah. he's Marvin Harrison. Yeah, but Kalen King on the outside, Daquan Hardy has been really good in the slot too. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, this is 
this is going to be a really interesting game this week. But I am sitting Blake Corum in this one. Um, uh, he has one 100-yard game this year and five straight games under 75 yards. He has been so touchdown dependent. Now, he gets his touchdowns. There's games where he scores three touchdowns on the ground. Um, but Penn State's rush defense is first in the country in terms of um, yards per allowed per game, 58.8. They're top five in both efficiency metrics. They allow 11.9 points per game. Uh, and even that Ohio State game, Ohio State put up 20 on them. So uh, I think this is going to be a defensive battle. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting uh, Dylan Johnson this week against Utah coming off that big performance. You know, maybe he's feeling himself a little bit, but uh, I think Utah is just a real tough team to run against. Um, I actually think this is an upset alert weekend. Um, just, you know, coming off that high of beating USC and, and what, what a game that was. I, I do think there's a chance that Utah wins this game outright, quite frankly, because you, I think we expected them to put up all those points on USC, but Washington really has not been great lately, like overall, you know, and I'm not sure you have to be great to beat USC at this juncture with what they currently are. Yeah. I actually, I also have Dylan Johnson, um, this week. So, I mean, outside of that, outside of last week, he has one 100 yard game on the year. He has one game with multiple touchdowns. Like he's been solid, but I mean, I think people are going to be seeing that 256 yard four touchdown performance last week. I think that he's this absolute stud when that really has not been the case all year. Um, but he gets that Utah defense. They're sixth in the country in rush yards allowed per game with 81.2, 21st in the country in defensive rush success rate. And I, I'm with you. I think this could be an upset alert as well. Um, Utah has been playing a lot better lately. Um, Bryson Barnes has, has been okay. So I, I think Utah could pull this upset. Uh, I'm sitting Xavier Restrepo this week. Okay, cool. I only have a different one here, right? No, you're also sitting Xavier Restrepo, dude. I, you have to go first in the next one because I have a feeling. All right, you're, well, you're here we go. Xavier Restrepo, <laughs> Xavier Restrepo, wide receiver from Miami, plays Florida State this week. Xavier Restrepo has not scored in four of his last five games. He's like something that AI just he has. Out, by the way, Xavier <laughs> Restrepo is a human being who plays the wide receiver position for the Miami Hurricanes, <laughs> located in Miami, Florida. Good luck looking that up on chat GPT. They're a year behind for two years. Uh, he has seven, seven, and four targets in his last three games. So the target share has declined a little bit. Uh, and Florida State is a very good pass defense. Uh, they allow 192.3 pass yards per game, 25th in the country. And they are sixth in both defensive pass success rate and defensive EPA per play. I'm sitting Zebra Restrepo too. Would you like me to go first? Yes, yeah, so you have to do the next one. All right. Um, I'm sitting Gage Larvadane, wide receiver for Miami of Ohio. Um, I mentioned I would have a player pop up in this game, and it's Gage Larvadane. Um, they go up against Akron. Miami of Ohio threw 11 pass attempts last week to 46 rush attempts without uh, Brett Gabbert out there. They are just a very different team. And as much as it sucks with Gage Larvadine, because he's finally back healthy, they had two decent games, and then last week was laid an egg. Um, but I, you can't start him, and then you definitely can't start him in this matchup against Akron, who actually has a good pass defense. Uh, the 30th in pass yards allowed per game with 197.2, 34th best in the country in defensive pass CPA per play, and 20th best in defensive pass success rate. 
And Miami of Ohio is favored by 17 points. So I feel like this is a positive game script for 17. a guy like Rashad Amos. If you hmm. you know have him, you might want to start him. Good but call. I'm sitting with Dane. I'm following you. I'm following you. I'm wondering how how much of their pet. I know some of those uh, data points are a little more agnostic on this, but I'm just wondering because they're just so bad against the rush. That it's just like a, a little bit of a fun. It could defense. be. I don't know. Definitely but, could be. I mean, hey, yeah. they showed they're willing to do that last weekend. So um, not, a, not a bad pick there for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting Alec Aminor this week, the uh, Stanford wide receiver who's been really hot uh, lately. Didn't have a huge game uh, this past weekend, uh, but still saw some targets and was out there. There were some worries that he might not play because of a shoulder injury uh, that he suffered uh, late in their previous game. Uh, but yeah, they're taking on Oregon State. And like I said, at home, they're they're top twenty pass defense. They're they're not they're not a bad team on the road. They're a really good team at home. I just think that's a tough nut to crack. I think Stanford's going to really struggle in this one. That's fair. Yeah, I could see that as well. Uh, my next sit is Jackson Dart, quarterback, Ole Miss, uh, going up against UGA Georgia. Uh, this I think is going to be a really good, really interesting game. Um, because Georgia is a little bit more susceptible on the ground this year, uh, but their pass defense is still very good. Um, they allow 182.2 pass yards per game, which is 19th. They're 10th in defensive pass success rate, 9th in defensive pass EPA per play. Uh, and Jackson Dart's been up and down uh, in his last five. 42 fantasy points, 13, 26, 14, 24. If you're following along at home, we're looking at a, a, a teens here on this one so i'm sitting jackson dart this week yeah i'm sitting his main receiver trey harris uh who i which came first the chicken or the egg has also fluctuated back and forth and i don't know whether dart struggled because he's struggling or if it's the other way around i don't really know um but uh last week he had 11 catches for 213 yards and a touchdown i watched that whole game and it didn't feel like he had that until the end when they said that they were like his huge performance today. He had a couple nice catches. I, I didn't realize that, but I digress. But he also has some stinkers thrown in there. And one of the big problems for him is he's really not finding the end zone a ton. Two touchdowns in his past five. Um, he did have that big, what, three or four touchdown game the, the that uh, week earlier in the year that has basically been like two-thirds of his touchdowns. Um, so I, he, he if, if he's not finding the red zone, like you said, they're in the end zone and, and they're struggling to move the ball through the air. I think this is a sit Trey Harris week if you can. Yeah, Trey Harris has been perplexing to me because I've said to start him a couple of times and he's flopped and I've said to sit him a couple of times and he's smashed. So I'm staying away from him. Yeah, good times. Uh, my next sit is Haynes King, quarterback Georgia Tech. Um, he has at least two touchdowns in every single game this year, whether passing, rushing, at least two. Uh, but they get Clemson this week, and Clemson's defense has really been on a tear lately. Uh, their pass defense is especially good. They're eighth in the country with 165.9 pass yards allowed per game, 11th in defensive pass success rate, fourth in defensive EPA per play. Uh, and then they are also a very good run defense as well, um, 20th in the country in rush yards allowed per game. So just all around, I think they can shut down this Georgia Tech offense. So I'm sitting Haynes King. Fair enough. I'm sitting Drake May actually this week. Um, and this is one where, you know, you just might not have another option. And I think he'll be okay. 
But uh, Duke this year, really the only solid quarterback performance against them was Jordan Travis. And he still was only 268, two touchdowns and an interception. Then he did add 62 yards and a touchdown on the ground to kind of save the day from him for him from a fantasy perspective, which may does like he runs a little bit, but not like that. Um, so I do think, you know, under 250 yards and maybe two touchdowns is kind of like what you can expect on the day for him, which again is not like he, you're not going to roll him out and get nothing. But I, do, I think the odds of him having a really good fantasy performance this year are, or this week are really, really low. That Duke pass defense is just something you don't really mess with. I still would potentially start Walker because I think if May's going to throw for any yardage, it's probably going to be to him. But I do think that May, by his standards, has a weaker uh, fantasy game overall. Yep, I can see that. Uh, my next sit is Cam Scadabo running back for Arizona State. Um, I think he, I think he was on my list last week. Uh, he's just hard to trust moving forward. He has 15 or fewer touches in four straight games. Uh, and then they get this, uh, UCLA rush defense. It's very good. They are third in the country in rush yards allowed with 70.4. Um, and then they are also in the top 30 in defensive success rate and sixth in defensive rushy paper play. It's a tough matchup, low volume, not starting Cam Scadabo. I am sitting um, the the Tennessee running backs this week. Sorry, uh, against Missouri. Missouri has actually been pretty solid overall against the run this year. Uh, They did a pretty good job against Georgia last weekend as well. Um, Georgia ended up kind of opening some things up late in that game. So I think the Mizzou defense, they get a little bit tired with the pressure that they put on them. But their leading rusher last uh, last week, Dijon Edwards, went 16 for 77. Like it wasn't a great week against Missouri by any stretch. I know Tennessee really rotates the back, so you can usually get a pretty good week out of Jalen Wright. I don't think you get it this week. Fair enough. I am sitting the entire Hawaii offense this week. Uh, they go up against Air Force. Uh, in the last two games, Hawaii has 203 and 132 pass yards. Um, they've been on a bit of a, a slide, and then... Air Force has been a very good defense. I'm not really that worried about the loss last week to Army where they just got smacked in the mouth. Uh, I still think this is a very good defense. Fourth in the country in pass yards allowed per game with 157.4. Fifth in the country in points allowed per game with 14.4. And they are um, top 30 in both defensive rush EPA per play and defensive uh, rush success rate. All right. Um, I'm sitting Ashlock and McBride in that game. So um, I didn't put the whole offense, but those are kind of really the only two. I, I think at this point, no one's really starting Shager. Um, and the running I've had to start him in his league where I was in a pinch. It was a three QB league, but yeah, mm, most of the situations, you're probably not starting Shager. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, last one for me. I am sitting uh, Xavier Weaver, wide receiver for Colorado. Uh, they get Arizona this week. Uh, Arizona's rush defense has been good. Uh, their pass defense is, is pretty middle of the pack as well. And then Colorado just looked terrible last week. I, I watched that first half. I uh, fell asleep. They were terrible in the first half. It looks like just based on the box score, they got a little bit better in the second half. But that offense with Pat Shermer calling the plays did not look the same. Uh, and Shador's banged up right now. Um, so... 
the combination of terrible play calling, the offense not really gelling, Shador being banged up, that offensive line being told that they basically suck two weeks ago and that everybody's going to get replaced on that offensive line. Big time quit watch on that one. Uh, I don't know why you would say that with this many games left in the season when you're still trying to fight for a bowl game, but hey, who am I? Uh, I'm not starting Xavier Weaver this week. I think the tough part in that game, really for Colorado, is not to really make a comment one way or the other on that, is that if you're kind of running a like vibes only kind of program in terms of like that's one of kind of your advantages as a group or whatever is like your ability to just, you know, have like, you know, have confidence flowing through the group, like, you know, shooter is doing his watch thing, whatever else. And then you start saying those things and you start losing a bunch of games in a row. The vibes only can become bad vibes very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, so my last one here is I'm it, all the Colorado receivers, except for Xavier Werb, uh, Weaver. Cause I still think oh, if, if you need to roll somebody out there, I still think Weaver can probably get you 12 to 15, but I don't, I think the days of him having like 30 point potential are gone at this point. And I wouldn't rely on anybody else. That team uh, did not really look particularly good offensively. Um, and like you can, you, the people are going to you know, well, it was Oregon state. It was whatever. The rest of the schedule does not get much easier. Washington state's the only subpar defense that's on their rest of their schedule. Everybody else in that schedule is, is, is tough defensively, which, you know, Arizona, we wouldn't have been saying that at the start of the year. Yeah. So, uh, and actually Felix and I were talking the other night after a show, if you go and look at their schedule for next year, next year's schedule might be more difficult than this year. <laughs> um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, don't need to talk about that today, but yeah, I'm, I'm sitting all the Colorado receivers, not named Xavier Weaver. So no horn, no Hunter and Michael Harrison's been dead for weeks, but yeah. we're not rolling him out there either. Uh, Travis Hunter is probably the only one that I would start. Um, he led the team in targets this past week. So, okay. Fair enough. Um, but I, 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 I second that I would not feel comfortable starting Jimmy Horn either. And I would try to not start Travis Hunter if I can. Would you start Shador? Oh, man, I wouldn't actually, I, I don't think I would this week. No, I don't feel strong enough to put him as a sit on here, but and the volume could end up being there too, I guess. But yeah. I, I I would not. I would really look in another direction for Shador if I could. Same, same. All right, here's our ten. Uh, Ray Davis, running back, uh, Kentucky. Well, oh, it's late. It's late. Uh, <laughs> all of the running backs in the <laughs> the Penn State Michigan game. Dylan Johnson, running back, Washington, Xavier Restrepo, wide receiver, Miami, Florida, Alec Aminor, wide receiver, Stanford, Trey Harris, wide receiver, Ole Miss, Drake May, quarterback, UNC, the Tennessee running backs, uh, Pafeli Ashlock and uh, Stephen McBride, and then all of the Colorado wide receivers, uh, except for Xavier Weaver. I'm sitting Gage Larvadane, wide receiver, Miami of Ohio. Uh, Blake Corum, running back, Michigan. Jackson Dart, quarterback, Ole Miss. Uh, Ray Davis, running back, Kentucky. Haynes King, quarterback, Georgia Tech. Cam Scadabo, running back, Arizona State. Xavier Restrepo, wide receiver, Miami. Uh, the whole Hawaii offense. Dylan Johnson, running back, Washington. And Xavier Weaver, wide receiver, Colorado. All right, guys. That is going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, make sure you're checking out everything else that we have over at campus to Canton.com. 
while we have you, why don't you slide on over to Homefield Apparel, pick yourself up something nice here uh, as we get closer to the holiday season. Or you know what? Pick something else up for a loved one and use promo code CampsToCanton while you're there for 50% off. Or if you're interested in making a bet with the person you're playing in your fantasy matchup, why not? Why not? No. Put a little extra on it. Yeah, a little home field bet. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Been, been, had, had quite a few of them so far this year. Been having fun with them, um, for sure. For sure. Um, Colin will be back next week. I will. And I will probably see you guys, we'll just say in the new year for now. We'll play it by year. Uh, until next time, guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.